Welcome to Ruben Cyclass. I'm Adam Robbins. And today, I'm recording this just at the end of November 2020, in the days leading up to Thanksgiving, actually. It's been three months since we last chatted with our three breweries, um, three friends in the industry. So John Dantzler from uh, Torch and Crown in, in New York, and he's got some big news because he's actually opened his uh, his tasting room in the last few months. It must be uh, one of the few, few breweries to have opened technically during uh, 2020. Also, we speak with John Harris at Ecliptic Brewing down and a neighbor of a relative neighbor of ours down in uh, Portland, Oregon, and JC Hill at um, Alvarado Street in uh, Monterey, California. So it's been three months since we last chatted with all, all three, and a lot's happened in that time. Obviously, we had the end of the summer, so I think we spoke in, in August last. So we had the end of the summer, going into the fall, so the fresh hop season. Um, smoke in the Pacific Northwest from the forest fires uh, in the Pacific Northwest specifically I can talk about, right? Um, but uh, that, that was really bad. It closed our tasting room for eight days. Um, it just wasn't wasn't safe um, to be out in that amount of smoke. I've, I've never uh, seen it so bad for so long. And right now, Right, we started this discussion around uh, COVID and the impacts to the brewing industry, and we're in the third wave of COVID, of COVID uh, infections. We're also seeing the highest rate of infections currently, and right as we are speaking to the three breweries, new tightening is going on uh, around uh, protecting people and uh, shutting down uh, restaurants, bars, um just the whole um, sort of shutdown that happened in March to some extent is happening again. So it's, it's pretty apt timing to catch up with uh, these three breweries uh, at the time that we're seeing another shutdown uh, of, of our operations. You know, having done it once before, what, what can we learn? What have we learned from, from what's happened in the past? Uh, how are people reacting to this in terms of the public and um, our teams, and um, is it similar to the to in March, or is it different? So, without further ado, let's get down to the uh, discussions. And uh, first of all, I had a chat with uh, John Dantzler at Torch and Crown. So, hi, John. Uh, thanks for uh, spending some time with us. So, it's been a few months since we last spoke. How was? Uh, let, let's think about the past. How was summer? Summer was tough. You know, we had sort of really, um, you know, really hustled to get this, the direct consumer delivery platform up and running. And um, we'd seen some pretty good success with that from uh, March when we launched it kind of through uh, through the end of May. Um, now, in New York, there's this weird seasonality, the summer, um, you know, January, obviously, is, is I, I think, worst month for beer sales everywhere. But after January, July and August tend to be the worst months of the year as well. And, you know, reason for that, everyone leaves the city. Um, so, you know, there's, it's a big, a big culture of, of kind of, um, you know, heading out to, to summer homes or, or rentals or vacations or wherever, you know, hamsters, you shore, um, uh, all kind of all of that stuff. So that was sort of, you know that's a headwind that we, that we face every year. Um, and you know, we, we do some, um, we do some kind of limited drops out in, in the Hamptons. We have a beer called share house that we're, we're sort of, um, you know, playing, playing off of that, the, the kind of the thing that every New Yorker seems to have done, um, in, in your early twenties, you rent a, 
a, a, a summer, you know, beach house with, you know, 40 of your closest friends and everyone <laughs> sleeping on the floor and all that stuff. Um, so, you know, that's, that's a fun beer and that's a fun sort of, I, I guess, way that we deal with the seasonality generally. Um, but it's really, it was really exacerbated this summer. I think, um, in general, you know, uh, some people were sort of as, as COVID first hit, as, as we kind of got through the lockdowns and, um, you know, kind of started to get back to some sort of, um, semblance of normal life. I think people looked around and, and realized that that semblance of normal life wasn't even close and, and kind of, you know, really the reason we all live here is sort of, is the close interaction, you know, whether that is, um, the, the amazing, um, hospitality industry, the, the, the world-class bars, restaurants, um, you know, kind of entertainment in general, the, the, um, you know, the, the, the amazing theater that's here, the, the just sort of culture um, across the board and, you know, the, the, the close interaction. I mean, you're here because you want to kind of feed off of, off of the city energy and off of, off of other people. Um, and I think people in the city, you know, there was sort of a mass exodus right when COVID first started happening. But then I think as we got into this new normal, there were more people looking around and realizing like, every reason I love the city is not here right now. And we have all the bad parts and none of the good ones. Um, <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, I think there was a lot more, um, there were a lot more people either. Um, I don't, I don't think it was all that much permanent, although that there, there definitely were, um, you know, I, I do know a few people that kind of, this was the final straw that people that had been sort of, you know, thinking about moving to the, to the suburbs or, or upstate in the next couple of years. And, and this was sort of the catalyst to say, you know what, screw it. Let's just find, find a place and do it now. Um, but for the most part, you know, um, I, I think it was a lot of people that um, found places to rent for the summer or went back with, you know, parents, in-laws, um, whatever else. But, um, you know, that, that, led to, that led to a pretty slow summer. So we had to, to navigate, you know, having having a much lower population here in the city than we're used to. And kind of, how do we speak to, um, we, we had some kind of fun messaging about like almost, you know, kind of playing off the, the sort of survivor, uh, mentality of like, you know, you're here. Uh, this couldn't scare you away. You deserve a beer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, it didn't scare you off, uh, opening your, your tap room, right? No, no, it didn't. Um, so that was, that happened October, uh, 23rd. Um, so we are closing in on a month of being open, which, uh, I mean, we are so excited about, um, it's, it's been that process. I mean, I love to, uh, when people are like, Oh, did COVID delay opening? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, it was really bad. Um, but you know, in reality, we've been building this thing for two years. We've had so many delays at this point that like, yeah, sure. COVID maybe added on a, a, a few months, but, um, you know, it was mostly my own incompetence really. It looks um, amazing. The pictures I've seen, it looks absolutely yeah, amazing. Yeah, no, we're, um, we're pretty excited. It's, it's one of these, um, you know, I think, I think you and I were had, had discussed this back in person. Um, you know, well, that would have been about a year ago now. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Harvest but, last but year, like, right? Yeah. You know, you, you sort of, you put together all two-dimensional plans and sort of, you, you have ideas of how things are going to look, but no real sense of, will this actually look as we want it to? Will it, will, will these things fit together as, as we hope? Um, 
I'm a big Simpsons fan. There's a great Simpsons episode where uh, Homer gets put in charge of designing a car, and he basically just says yes to you know to every like optional feature and all that. The car ends up with like four spoilers, and you know <laughs> looks terrible, doesn't even run. Um, and throughout the design and, and build process, that was definitely a fear in the back of my mind that we'd sort of you know get to the final stage and look around and be like, God, this is ugly as hell. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, that, that it's sort of, it, it is, um, I mean, obviously, you know, beauty is, is, is a subjective thing, but, but it is, it does have the feel that we set out to, to create, um, you know, it's just, is, is hugely, uh, I guess <laughs> relief is probably the right word. Um, you know, it's, it's been amazing. This is the first physical location that, that we've had, um, you know, we, we've had our, our production facility up in the Bronx for a couple of years now, but this is the first, you know, time that we can actually invite people in to, you know, to have a beer, have a meal. Um, and, you know, the, uh, there's a lot of, a lot of really wide eyes walking in, you know, had no idea there was something this big, right. in Soho, um, that yeah. kind of thing is, um, you know, has been, has been awesome. Uh, it's, it's something, I mean, there's been just, just an incredible amount of, um, of blood, sweat and tears that's gone into, into bringing this place to life as, as you know, as, as you know, every, every brewery build out has its own unique challenges and, and, um, ours definitely did. And, and, um, you know, we're, we're pretty excited. So it does, um, it is interesting opening now with, you know, all these sort of capacity restrictions and, um, all, you know, tables, tables being spaced way out and having to, um, spend, we spent two days of staff training going over all the COVID protocols. And, and so it's, it's kind of, it's an interesting world to launch, uh, to launch my first restaurant. <laughs> um, but you know, we, we have, uh, an absolutely incredible team, um, really experienced people on the hospitality side that are, um, you know, that have, that have done a great job getting us uh, to where we need to be with, with kind of all the protocols and, and, um, you know, following, making sure we're following all the guidelines, providing a safe experience, but one that's still fun. Yeah. Congratulations on getting that open. Cause you know, there can't be many spaces that have opened in the last few months. So right. this year, and, like. and, you know, unfortunately a lot of closures, um, yeah. a lot of, a lot of restaurants that have, that sort of made it through the first the first wave, the first sort of shutdown and, and, um, tried to make it work with outdoor seating and with limited capacity and all that. Um, and, uh, and couldn't do it. And, um, you know, that's, that's a, that's a terrible thing. That's, you know, a lot of our partners that, um, you know, that we've had events at, that we sell our beer with, that, that, you know, we consider, um, kind of friends in all this, um, that have shut down. So, um, so yeah, I, I think we're, we're definitely bucking a trend, um, you know, in, in being in opening in this time, but, you know, we're fortunate that, um, that we're pretty, you know, we have a, a big wide open space with high ceilings. We have a, uh, you know, a, a big outdoor space, even, even without the COVID, uh, sidewalk seating, which we did get as well. Um, you know, we're, we're fortunate to have a, uh, a pretty amazing, you know, outdoor space to begin with. So. It's, um, you know, nothing is, um, nothing is like it, you know, would have been or, or, or will be once, once this is all be behind us as, you know, as a society. But, um, you know, we, we're definitely, uh, fortunate to be pretty well positioned, um, you know, 
in in kind of in those regards. So um, maybe give us an overview of of how the sort of COVID restrictions are in uh, New York right now. Yeah, well, uh, right right now is is a fun time to be doing this because yeah. I am checking my phone every two minutes for the uh, the shutdown announcement. We actually um, they closed schools today again. We we're we're kind of in the midst of another um, you know another outbreak with numbers on the rise. So uh, I think every restaurant owner in the city is is anxiously you know um, or waiting with bated breath to hear when you know, when indoor dining gets fully shut down, I, I expect that to happen probably in the next couple of days. Um, but past, you know, past that, we've been operating uh, since it was October 1st that um, we were we were able to switch to, uh, to, to indoor dining in general, September or October. Um, but it was it was 25% occupancy based on your like, you know, your, your fire marshal capacity. So for us, you know, we're fortunate. We have a massive space. Our, uh, our overall capacity is about 280. So 25% of that um, leaves us around 70, um, you know, which is not, you know, not as the space is built, but is, is still a, a significant number. And then with uh, our outdoor seating as well, we have um, between, between our, our side yard that, you know, that's our sort of outdoor beer garden um, and then as well as the, uh, the sidewalk seating, we, we have capacity for close to another about 160. Wow. Um, so all of our, you know, all of our tables are eight feet apart. Um, and we, you know, we, we make sure that, uh, that everyone is staying right at their table. Everyone's wearing masks, um, when interacting with, you know, with anyone not right at the table, um, including our own servers. Um, and you know, that, that sort of, we've, taking taking pains to make sure there are paths everywhere you know into the restroom out of that um where you know people don't have to to pass closely people can stay within yeah um you know six foot distance but you know for 25 percent indoor capacity again we're fortunate to to have such a big and wide open space but for uh for a lot of the places in the city um you know that even even if they can fit, you know, that for a lot of places, that's, you know, eight, 10, 12 seats, which, you know, you, you, just, you can't run a restaurant profitably on that. Um, yeah. But, you know, past, past that, even if you could theoretically fit 10 people in, a lot of the time you can't do it safely. A lot of places are, are so, you know, are, are so tiny that it's kind of built on you know, stacking tables next to each other and yeah. sort of having strangers shoulder to shoulder with each yeah. other. And then that's part of the fun. <laughs> um, so, yeah. um, you know, it's, it's been, it's been definitely a, a challenging environment to navigate, but, um, you know, we're, we're doing it just like everyone else is. And so we, we, you know, need to, need to find ways to, you know, to still create the experience that, um, that we want to create, um, and still have it, you know, we want to be kind of a, a very low pretense place. Um, and yet now we have to, you know, basically have reservations and we're, um, you know, we have kind of maximum table times, um, just because we've, we've, you know, had some pretty long waits and we're trying to get everyone in. And so, you know, that part sucks that there's no bar, there's no sort of, you're not able to create that sort of, you know, vibrant, um, atmosphere. And so we, we're having to turn people away at the door. We're like, we're, we're, we're a brewery. We're not, we're not per se, you know, yeah. <laughs> um, we're, we're, uh, so it's sort of trying to, 
you know, trying to, to, to be creative and to keep this sort of, you know, no pretense kind of low frills, um, uh, atmosphere that, that we sort of, you know, that we, that we personally, um, you know, want, want people to feel walking through. We want this sort of, you know, this really communal atmosphere, but at the same time, you better not get within six feet of anyone. Yeah. yeah. Um, so <laughs> yeah, it's hard. It's, it's hard. uh, yeah. So, um, you know, we're we're in the third wave now, right? Of of the the virus, and obviously there's a talks about vaccine and stuff. But as as this all goes on for longer and longer, right? There's going to be structural changes. You know, people talk about it being an accelerant rather than a change agent necessarily. But uh, what what sort of predictions do you think th- that this will lead to, in terms of the structural sort of impact around craft beer? I think we've been moving towards, um, I guess, I don't want to say less focus on craft beer in general, but like, you know, I think for a while the pendulum had swung um, pretty far in, in one direction where, you know, beer is, is the, the, the oldest alcoholic beverage in existence. It's been around for thousands of years and it's been sort of, you know, it's been a, uh, a social lubricant, a sort of, um, you know, a, a, a key to, uh, a lot of, um, ceremonies, you know, fun events, celebrations, all of that, you know, for thousands of years. And, um, I think over the last 10 years is really the first time that, that we've seen people, you know, beer stop to stop becoming part of the occasion or becoming the occasion for, for a lot of it. You know, you have, um, the sort of, uh, crazy bottle and can releases, people waiting in line, the, the, the secondary trading, um, of all of that, which like has spawned a lot of, a lot of new business models and, um, you know, has, has created this, um, I guess an environment for people, um, you know, to, to really, I uh, will call it the untaptification um, you know, of, of it's, it's become almost like a, a sort of status thing. And it's, it's gotten a little bit away from beer's role historically, which, which has been, um, a part of the occasion, but only a part of the occasion. Um, you know, beer makes gatherings, makes celebrations, whatever, more fun. Um, but you know, is a tertiary aspect for a lot of it. And so I think, you know, where you're no longer able to, uh, well, first, I mean, sharing is, is not, it's not a good idea right now, but, but past there, um, you know, you're no longer able to, to have these, these sort of stand in line and obsessed about a specific product type of events. Um, you know, I, I think, I think that'll, um, cause some consumer behavior to, to change around that and to get back to, um, you know, to, to be your sort of, being being a part of occasions but but get back to looking past looking past that um in terms of of kind of you know the way the way that we sell beer um i think people will be getting a lot more um a lot more used to buying directly from producers um that's been sort of you know as as bars and restaurants have have closed down as um as kind of the traditional uh, we'll call it supply chain from, you know, from producers, um, through the tier, three tier system, um, and into someone's hand has, has been disrupted. Um, you know, at least here in the city, there's been a lot of, of, 
um, you know, the, this direct consumer uh, interest has really picked up. You couple that with just the advance of technology where now it's, it's much easier to actually to have a transaction and to have, you know, have beer show up directly from your front door from producers, which, you know, that, that even 10 years ago, that, that would have been a, a logistical nightmare and it would have been probably impo- impossible for all but maybe the largest and most well-resourced um, breweries in the country to do. Um, and, and, you know, I think in general, the sort of the shift, uh, to e-commerce is, uh, is a structural thing that, um, you know, has been, uh, has been, been in the works for a while, but, um, you know, this, this will accelerate that. You still do delivery. Yes. We've shifted our focus in terms of our communication to, um, to the on-premise experience that we're offering. Um, and so, you know, we, we aren't, seeing as much growth on the direct consumer side as we were. Um, but you know, that's still, that market is still very much there. Um, you know, and, and our, our orders, uh, especially on the instant side, um, average between one and two, four packs per order. So, you know, it's definitely still an occasion driven, um, purchase where, yeah. you know, it's a Thursday night. I want to have a couple beers. Um, you know, you're not sort of, you're not buying, for the month or, or buying to, to store like you, you might with wine or, or, you know, you might have, have your liquor cabinet that, um, that you're keeping stocked, but, um, only making occasional purchases for beer. It's a lot of kind of just in time type purchases. And, and, you know, that's the way people consume beer. I don't think that'll change. Most people in the Seattle area who did delivery, um, have stopped doing delivery, um, after the shutdown stopped. So it's kind of good to hear that the direct-to-consumer thing is still strong. Really? Yeah. What yeah. was, um, is that is that because once the shutdown was over, there was consumer interest elsewhere? Or do you think it was just more trout in the road made it untenable or? or? Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure the demand was as much as what people thought. And then when the tap rooms reopened, they needed to have people manning the tap rooms, right? Rather than... Right. Delivering. That's that's my impression. T- to me, the the amount of um, you know the economies of scale. You need to be a different, a certain scale to make that be able to work, be worthwhile. Or in an incredibly dense urban area, so like New York right. is like perfect for that, right? But um, right. but like you know, as soon as you start getting broader, um, and then and and then you know, some breweries, it doesn't make it wouldn't make sense for us to do it because we're then essentially competing with our our partners in in the three tier system right so mm-hmm. um so it doesn't it doesn't make sense for us to start delivering within the Seattle area right but we do do shipping um but we have like a pretty high minimum on on shipping and um, okay. and that's like statewide but that's more focused on letting people have our tap room only releases that can't come to the tap room anymore because of right. uh, you know the Makes shutdown. Sense. So that's that's the way I'm seeing seeing that. So what are you most excited about um when things return to normal? Like what, what is the first thing you're going to do? <laughs> when we're able to, we are going to have a massive grand opening party that we never got to have. Yeah. We're going to have yeah. 500 people in this space. It's going to be awesome. We have we have a Negroni on on tap. Um, that was, you know, a personal request. Um, I will have a few of those at the, uh, at the grand opening party. You certainly earned it. <laughs> Whenever we can open in grand fashion, you know, in, in general, I mean, I think, 
I think I, I'm, I'm just, I'm looking forward to, um, you know, everyone, everyone coming back to the city and, and sort of, you know, the, uh, the vibrancy that's, that's going to exist on the other side. I am a big seller of the, this concept that, you know, once we've gone, we're, work remote, we're not coming back. I think a lot of people are working from home right now and, and, and finding it challenging. I think it, it's a, you know, we're, we're social beings. Um, we're social creatures as humans. And, and um, I think they just spending your day on zoom doesn't, um, doesn't satisfy that just kind of innate desire. Um, and, and, you know, I think we'll, we'll see, a lot more flexible work styles, maybe work from home a couple of days a week in the office, a couple, you know, something like that. Um, but in, in general, um, you know, I think, uh, we're going to see, we're going to see a lot, a lot more of kind of, you know, return to, to city life. Um, and I'm pretty excited about that. I think, I think yeah. a lot of people will be as well. Um, one of, I was talking to a guy who owns a restaurant around the block, um, who was talking about, you know, we just need to make it through these next few months. Once there's a vaccine, people have been, you know, people have been tamped in for, for a year. It's going to be like the roaring twenties after this, <laughs> um, which, you know, I hope, <laughs> um, well, you're well positioned but, uh, if that's right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. We're, we're ready for it. Um, but you know, in, in general, um, and I mean, the other thing is we're ready to meet our neighbors. We have, uh, we have, we have, there are 17, um, floors of office tenants above us, about 10,000 people, uh, in our very building that, um, I get the occupancy reports every week We're we're at be two and 3% occupancy. Wow. Right now. Wow. Um, so, you know, um, wow. in general weekdays tend to be, you know, we, we have, we have some blowout weekends where we're pretty much busy, you know, um, fully packed from open till close for, for, uh, for Saturday and Sunday, but during the week, the, the sort of weekday lunches and happy hours and all that needs, that needs an office crowd that, yeah. that, you know, that doesn't exist right now that isn't around. So, um, you know, we're, we're excited to, um, you know, part of, part of why we're there is to sort of, you know, if you think of it as just, we're, we're making ourselves so accessible. We are the only brewery in Manhattan for that reason. We want to be as accessible, as easy, as just kind of hospitality minded as, as we can be, um, you know, for, for all of the, the sort of the people in the city offices right in the area, um, you know, to give them, give them a way to experience, um, our crafts, um, you know, up close and, and, and personally without having to travel the outer boroughs to, um, to, you know, to, to some of the fantastic breweries out there. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm excited to, to really be able to, to live up to that hospitality <laughs> promise that, that, you know, that we set out to do. Yeah, it's quite a fundamental, it's, it's very fundamental, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, 2% is amazing. Um, I heard in Seattle it's 10%, but even 10% I thought was horrendous, but like 2% is... Right. Is yeah, I think um, in general across the city, I've heard yeah, anywhere from five to ten percent, um, and like you know, some of the the kind of older old school, um, or like you know, I think I think law firms are are more, more fully staffed. I know the investment banks are. I talked to you know my old buddies from the trading floor that are all that are all back, but they've like you know they've spaced out their desks and all that stuff. But yeah. you know, that's a profession where you need to be able to yell at each other all day. <laughs> um, but you know, the, um, 
the the businesses that are in our area. We have a lot of a lot of creative firms, a lot of um, kind of late stage startups. Um, you know, uh, e-commerce companies, CPG, that kind of thing. Um, that I guess do have the ability to be more remote, and um, you know, I think they've they've all uh, they've all been doing that. So um, definitely. You know, excited to have everyone back and be able to be able to welcome everybody in. Yeah, yeah, too right, and I can't wait to be there as well uh, when 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 we can. <laughs> yes, yeah, for sure. Definitely, we yeah, looking be forward awesome. to that. Got to got to host you, make a beer. Yeah, yeah, that sounds good. sounds good to me. <laughs> and last thing I'm looking forward to is travel. I uh, didn't really get a honeymoon. We we did a little COVID wedding yeah. back in June. Yeah, um, which was in my parents' backyard. We had just the parents and siblings. There were twelve of us in total, um, and uh, took. Just drove up the coast for a couple of days for a, um, you know, a brief little little trip after that. But I had to get right back to work. So um, whenever this is all over, I'll be taking a couple of weeks off, probably traveling to Africa. Um, awesome. And look forward to that as well. Yeah, you you got a lot to be excited about when, when you you done a lot in a, in a, a COVID shutdown. Yeah, it, it, it has been a eventful year. <laughs> well, thanks for your time, and uh, we'll speak to you soon. Likewise. Cheers. Catching up. Big thanks to John for his time today. Now we're going to have a chat with JC Hill from Alvarado Street. Cool. So thanks, JC, for being with us. Um, it's been a few months since we last spoke. Uh, how was the uh, the summer? Uh, summer was, yeah, feels like a long it, time it, ago. It does, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think it was like July was we good. last spoke. It was busy. Uh, we, you know, we got through it, obviously. Um, our you know, kind of online sales stayed solid. We worked with some great distributors and just continuing relationships with our with our wholesalers um, and moved a lot of beer. And it was uh, definitely something that, you know, I'm, I'm grateful to have gotten through. Uh, you know, there were some hardships at times, but um, I don't know. It seems better than where we're at now. <laughs> <laughs> Well, talking about the good things of the summer, um, well, kind of the kind of fall, really, right? Uh, GABF, you you picked up a couple of medals, didn't you? Yeah, we were uh, pretty lucky with GABF. We got um, a bronze for for my tie, which was, was which was really great. Uh, in a different category this year, I entered an American Strong Pale, ah. and uh, that was cool. That's like a, the fourth medal that's gotten in like, yeah. the last six years. So that was like really awesome to, to get that. And then we got, um, double IPA. we got a, a silver in, uh, again this year. Um, and then we got one for our, uh, our, our, uh, fruit, orange guava kettle sour, which is, which is cool. I've entered that every year for the last seven years and never gotten it. It's poker. I, I think, you know, you put in a good hand and you hope you get lucky. Right. But yeah, oh yeah. there's a the, lot, of, a lot of luck for sure. That's um, awesome. So three, you must have been close to getting a brewery of the year, mustn't you? Like you must have been. I think, we're been, close. I don't, I don't think we we're quite there, but you must um, have been getting there. That's yeah, awesome. That was great. Uh, yeah, we we uh, yeah, and the team was really pumped. That was really cool. Yeah, yeah, no, totally. Um, so you said about it's summer was better than where you're at right now. So maybe, I mean, I can see you. Well, I mean, where we're at in terms of where the, the yeah. virus is, yeah. obviously, you know, things have changed, uh, you know, across the landscape nationally, which is, I think, been better for some. 
know, better for, I think, for us. I, mean, I don't know. But uh, yeah, I think just with the third wave, it's kind of a little nerve wracking and combine that with the cold weather. And, you know, luckily we're, our, um, where we've been, it's, uh, it's been in the most restrictive tier the entire time. So it hasn't been too different from us or for us rather. However, you know, we're starting to encounter some cooler weather, some rain. Um, and I just, you see a lot more cases spiking to like kind of an unprecedented level. Yeah. So I'm just a little worried about, um, you know, just our team and, and, but I guess we got to have faith in our, uh, you know, SOPs and safety protocols, um, because we've been lucky so far. We've had people test positive throughout this and, you know, with our sort of mask policy and just sanitation procedures, it hasn't seen, we haven't had any workplace spread, community spread in the workplace. So I'm just, I'm really hoping that that holds through the winter (laughs) until we can, uh, you know, hopefully all get vaccinated one of these days. So, um, I see you got your door open there. So it's, it's all relative yeah, about the cold, yeah, right? Yeah, that breeze. It's, it's relative. <laughs> we have sideways rain and <laughs> right now. <laughs> so yeah, it's, oh, bet, it's, yeah. Horrend- it's horrendous right here. So are you allowed, are you allowed indoor dining right now? And, and has, have things changed in the last week or so? Cause they have here and in New York, right? Um, We've never had uh, indoor dining. Uh, well, no, I take that back. We did have indoor dining for like a month from June to early July. And then it was gone and so we've been uh outdoor dining and takeout for the two restaurants uh you know the entire time yeah basically yeah except for that one month so out, if you're only outdoor dining then in in the winter that's gonna be harder to maintain right and definitely so we, we just had some weather down here which is great hadn't had any rain in like seven months or something crazy wow. um about like half our tables are virtually, you know, unservable. There's no uh, structure to protect from the elements. It's cold, it's rainy, it's windy. Uh, we do have a little bit of a, some cover and for about maybe 10 tables, but, you know, it's our occupancy now is, is has been um, in the most restrictive tier at like under 50 people and that we were over 200 before. So it's... Uh, wow. And then when you take the rain and, and cold, it's it's more like twenty ish seats. So it's yeah, like, that's, yeah, that's not. I'm not expecting much here. No, no, I, I'm no. just really just trying to get through the, <laughs> the next couple of months, and then I'm hoping for spring. Pretty optimistic about spring. Yeah, yeah. Um, you said third wave, right? It seems to have been a long time, right? That, that that we've been going through all of this, and and the longer and it has been a long time, and the longer it does go on, there's probably going to be sustained structural change in the industry right have you got any views of of what you think when we do come out of this like in spring like what what sort of element of permanency will the industry have changed by yeah well i mean obviously it's not going to just go back to 100 percent in a, in a day like you know, no. with the snap of a finger that would be nice i think a lot of us maybe expect that to a fault and i know i've kind of thought of it that way but that's a pretty naive way of looking at it i think you know as vaccines are rolled out, uh, you know, in the, in the springtime, it's going to take probably a while just to get the infection rate down enough. I mean, I think the state will, will go back to the guidelines they've set forth in California. There's I think four tiers, different colors and it's all based on 
infections per 100,000 people, and there's like five or six other things that need to be met to advance into the next year. I think they'll fall back on that. And I think it'll take, you know, a good amount of time to sort of climb up the ladder of those to when, you know, maybe by the end of 2021, it'll be similar to pre-pandemic times. In a way, that'll allow us to sort of prepare, I guess, to do business the way we used to. But I, I do think in a lot of ways going forward that it seems like like the e-commerce thing for breweries is here to stay. Um, whether or not that stays viable as a, as a revenue channel, we'll see. It's certainly softened up for us a little bit. And I don't know if that's, you know, economic factors are playing in or if, you know, people have been going out more. You know, I, I do think that we can expect that to happen in the future. This is kind of off topic, but, you know, we used to travel a lot for, for industry events and, you know, we were traveling all the time. I think you'll see a lot more people wearing masks, like on planes and stuff. And yeah. It's kind of a no-brainer. Like, I would have loved to have worn masks before the pandemic and, like, maybe not caught that cold on that, you know, yeah. overnight yeah. international flight or something, you know? I mean, it's, it's, I think that's kind of the new normal. So, so I, mean, I think you'll see... I don't think people are just going to throw away their masks one day. I think you know, yeah. that's going to be around for a while. Yeah, I think it will be ingrained on us, right? It's certainly, a, and it's also more socially acceptable. You know, people you you always used to see the odd person wearing a mask through the airport, and you think, well, that's strange. But now it's like it'll be the right now. It's the opposite, right? It's like if you're not wearing a mask, it's like not right. But I don't um, even care. I'm so used to wearing a mask at this point. It's like no big deal to me at all. Yeah, yeah. See why people get all uh, upset about it. It's I mean, I, and, and you know, I've been working on the in the brewery more than I ever have in six years, except for maybe the first year. And, uh, you know, we're, we're all sweating and, you know, wearing masks. And <laughs> I think we're all used to it at this point. So it's not, it's really not that bad. I, I don't think. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think e-commerce is here to stay. I, I think shipping, I just think the economics of shipping don't make sense for beer. It's too heavy, too expensive to, to ship um and also there's a lot of law absolutely and it might not be the best uh carbon footprint either you know yes. not, it seems yeah. like a lot of material and a lot of um logistics it's it's challenging we've we've definitely still run into a lot of issues with it based on you know who the carrier is and like well, our carrier right now is uh golden state overnight and i'll throw them under the bus i mean they literally cannot seem to deliver to uh, apartment buildings with gates it just they all come back to us and then it's oh, oh. refunds and we gotta it's just like a whole yeah insurance claims it's a pain in the ass so it's it's definitely not that ideal um i shouldn't say every apartment with a gate i mean I, it's just more of those come back than any other type of yeah so yeah we have to have our customers put you know special instructions and all this stuff it's, it's it is kind of interesting because i i wonder if when things do go back to normal if if they'll be as they were. So like, like we talked about um, online ordering is probably here to stay. Well, does that mean then that line culture has gone? You know, like every release has been done online for the last year. By the time this ends, maybe 18 months. I think it would well, be- it's a- like line culture goes to the internet now. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I see that in a, lot, in a lot of breweries uh, right now in the pandemic. Um, we've been doing some like pretty small batch heavily fruited sours that are, you know, very limited because we're just trying to fully extract as much fruit as possible um, in a small volume of liquid. And, you know, we see those sell like pretty fast just based on, um, you know, the fact that there's not a lot of quantity 
whereas I know that would be like a type of beer that we would you know sell out of on a Friday night, you know, releasing it out of, out of the tap room. So I, I still do see you think yeah, that that line culture will sort of translate to the uh, you know translate to the internet um, to an extent. I, you know, line culture in general it seems to have been kind of falling off a bit anyways in the last couple of years. There's certainly still a lot of breweries that, um, you know, do a great job moving their product uh, in a short amount of time in that fashion. Uh, I, I wouldn't really put our, ourselves in, in that category um, just because we make a pretty good amount of beer. But um, yeah, it's an interesting perspective. We'll, we'll see what happens. So um, you said, I remember you talking before that, uh, Kettle sours were doing crudy kettle sours doing well for you in the, in the summer. So if you're looking back at the time, you know, since COVID really hit, any specific styles that you see as being particularly strong in in COVID, or or maybe it's just coincidence. Yeah, right? but <laughs> the sours, even in the winter, they're they're moving almost faster than the IPAs. That's crazy. Um, it's pretty crazy to see. We used to do one or two a month, and now we're releasing one every week people people love it and they're they're fun to make they're challenging um we're still learning obviously how to you know get it right what the customer wants um get the, get the presentation right get it you know looking the way you know our fans want it to look and taste like they want it to taste uh you know we've spent a lot of focus on those this year um which is interesting for us because we're kind of more of like a hoppy brewery we've always been more focused on our, on our ipas the focus there hasn't changed it's just we're we're definitely seeing a lot of these like kind of fruited sours, which were popular before the pandemic. But for us, it seems like that style has been you know erupted in the pandemic. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Um, just to sort of wrap up, like what what are you and your team most excited about after this? After things go, do go back to normal, any any anything that you're sort of like focused on, like the 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 light at the end of the tunnel? Yeah, I think it's cool to see you know the uh, results from the, you know, those vaccines starting to drop. I think we're, we're, we're all like looking at that thinking, wow, this would be amazing if we could, gosh, even just get our, our parents to get vaccinated. Um, it would be cool. Yeah. Getting, getting back towards, towards normal. Um, yeah, I think it's, I got to give credit to our, all our hospitality staff. They've been so patient with this whole thing and so gracious to one another and, you know, sharing shifts and sort of, unfortunately sharing the burden that they've been sort of dealt just because there's only so many shifts to go around when you're at, you know, quarter or less capacity than you used to be probably a lot less actually. So, you know, I know they'll be eagerly awaiting when we can get people back indoors, but I think at this point, you know, we've been talking and I don't think anyone's really foreseeing that until, you know, the spring, which, yeah. which is, which sucks, but it's, you know, we're all in this together and we're all trying to, have one another's backs and and just have a good attitude about it. Try to find the good in all this. It's been a tough year and, and there's not as much silver lining. There's just, it's hard to look for that sometimes. Yeah. But yeah, it's just been really tough on, on the hospitality staff in general. And I, I just look forward to a time where we can uh, get people their, their shifts back, you know, full-time work and, and uh, get them making money and get, get people to not affect their livelihood so much. Yeah. What about you personally? Are you going to go to a festivals? Are you going to just go to the tap room and have yeah, a pint? Yeah, festivals going to be like? I don't, yeah. even, I don't even know. It's going to be crazy. That's yeah. going to be weird. I don't know when the next beer festival I'm going to go to. Yeah. How that's going to work. I, I'm probably not anticipating traveling for, for work 
related stuff till you know late next year or at least festivals it'd yeah. be good to it'd be good to go to some breweries and visit and do some you know collaborations in person and kind of have that meiosis of the minds you know like when you get together with brewery peers and that's a really cool thing that we've all been robbed of during this period that was pretty present during hop selection um kind of miss out on gathering with with your peers you know in yakima and we're all huge nerds about hops and you know, talking about it and, and that was something i think we missed out on that was just different you know just virtually selecting so you know i'll be i'll be looking forward to, to visiting you know other breweries honestly and seeing you know some of our friends in person and I think that would be great. And it'd be wonderful to uh, take my wife and go on a vacation for my kids. I might not be too bad either. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that sounds good. That's the advantage we got from here, right? Where I drove over and did a couple of selections in person. Um, so nice. I, I still went to see a couple of the farms um, just just to keep in touch, but nothing like what we would have normally. But yeah. But yeah, no, that will yeah. be good when we can do that again. Well, well, thanks for your time, JC. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Cheers, JC. And now on to our, our last of the three guests, John Harris from Ecliptic in Portland, Oregon. So, John, it's been about three months since we last spoke. How was the uh, end of the summer for you? It was pretty good overall. We uh, kind of settled into a, well, beer sales in the you know, production side were good, as they normally are in summertime, which is great because we could use that. But then... um. We also reopened the restaurant in June. I guess we talked a little bit about that in August, but um, you know, we were able to continue that model outside only into November, which was really a surprise. Um, we got to have our anniversary party, which was really nothing, and uh, but we didn't declare it was our anniversary weekend. And we <laughs> gave a bunch of money to the Jeremy Wilson Foundation, which we've been supporting every anniversary for six of those anniversaries, which provides uh, healthcare and resources for uh, musicians. So. Uh, I'm an old musician and just love music. So I love supporting the people I've seen in Portland, Oregon, you know, lots of people now are getting help. And the, I used to yeah. see that when I got, when I was 20 and he used to rock it out. So um, we did that and we continue to do the, you know, the black is beautiful campaign and donating, donating I think close to $3,000 to that so far. So um, that's pretty cool. Um, that's great. But yeah. So we kind of rolled through uh, you know, our outdoor seating with all these tables spaced all apart and everybody felt really comfortable here. And then of course it was like, well, are we going to close? Are we going to try inside? And so we opted for inside and put in, you know, $3,000 with this air filtration ion COVID killing equipment in our HVAC systems. And we covered our tin outside with a heater and invested a bunch of money, you know, 10,000 bucks or so at least uh, into the indoor and outdoor safety. And um, unfortunately, now we're shut down again. Um, so we laid off 20 people again. So it's like, oh, see you later. Because there's really no work. There's no work for them. And there's, I guess we'll probably, you know, we're out of the PPP period, but we spent all that money anyway. But Oregon released some money the other day, but we didn't qualify for it because our wholesale business was still decent this year. So if it was just a pub business, we would totally qualify for it. <laughs> this was for this, that we're down several hundred thousand dollars in our pub this year. <laughs> Yeah, and that's yeah. a small number compared to the real number I'm talking about. So, it's what it is. You know, it's um, I guess that we were able to get some people back to work and keep making making good beer and food. And um, you know, the crews, you know, we're heading into you know, it's hard to believe it's late November already. It's like, oh wow, we're oh we're heading into the dark days now, aren't we? <laughs> you know? so, yeah. Well, I'm hoping wholesale stays a little stronger than usual this you know this time this winter. I hope so. Well, for everybody, 
but as you know, it's not the time we sell a lot of beer. So no, no, it's um, definitely a seasonal business, and this isn't the season <laughs> in general. <laughs> yeah, I don't get why. I, don't, I still don't understand that. But yeah, I'd, what it is? I don't know where the beer goes because if you look at total beer, it it's not it doesn't drop that much, right? But but craft does. Uh, there's just so many seasonals. I think that I tell you, I mean, between once once the like September onward, it's like. I don't know. It's like there's so, there's almost too many seasonals now. It's like yeah. all the fresh hops, all the fresh hop lagers, all the fresh hop ales. Oh, don't forget the fast beers, and then the pumpkin beers, and then the stouts and the barrel age yeah, season. It's, it's just comes. Easy to <laughs> diversify the market so much that like like our normal seasonal pale ale quasar, and we had our alter fresh hop pale ale, which are different recipes, different hops, but very kind of similar um, in the sense of their malt bill. You know, restaurant managers like Quasars just not selling. It's like, what do you mean? It's like, no, everybody's buying the fresh shop. So they yeah. don't want the rain. So in our own bar, we couldn't sell it on season on our own bar because we're buying this especially. It's like, yeah. can't win for trying, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so you're in a, I mean, you've got a big outside space there in that parking lot, right? I presume you use a lot of that for social distancing before the shutdown. And then the shutdown was a week and a bit ago? Was it? Or if, well, for us, uh, yeah, we for should, um, yeah, we opted to close a few days early. Staff was um, just not feeling comfortable. With this, and so we just said, okay, we'll just shut it down. The yeah. government gave us three more days, but we just we stopped. And so far, it's not been going that well. <laughs> are, you, are you doing to-go food, are you? Yeah, to-go food. And we just turned on beer delivery. We're going to give that a go. Um, with our just paying mileage for somebody to take beer around. Just see if it's a viable option to purchase a car or a van and make that part of our model. I don't know. I figure going into winter, it might be worth doing. I mean, uh, gotta try, gotta keep trying, you know? So this is a, this is a second sort of significant shutdown, right? Um, in the third, third wave, the first one we had, um, you know, it was like new to everybody. And, uh, from a brewery perspective, we weren't as prepared, but we're more prepared now. But, um, what we saw was a, a lot of move into uh, to go beer um, that sort of kept us afloat. But now we're not seeing that this time. Is that consistent with what you're seeing? Next, last Saturday, the first Saturday we were shut down, um, or actually, no, two, two Saturdays ago, I think we sold $400 worth of beer that day to go. It's like, whoa, you know. But then everybody said, I think everybody stocked up. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. guys, people aren't reacting. I mean, at first, March was like, we were hitting this pretty nice number every day that was sustainable, but we haven't seen that number yet one day this time. Um, and we see some, like, at this point, we're closed. We decided to close Monday, Tuesdays for to-go beer only. So there was one person working in the restaurant who is there for eight hours to satisfy to-go need. And then Wednesday through Sunday, we'll be open for to-go food and uh, offer the delivery service uh, Wednesday through Sunday. Yep. And... Um, just having, you know, just having our managers do those deliveries to start with just to see what's viable. And then um, but we decided this time based upon just looking at staffing and looking at what it really cost us to stay open last time. I mean, we're, we know a lot more now about what we can and can't do than we could in March. We just more like, okay, let's just do what we can. Let's, you know, keep as much staff as we can. But and I know you kept a lot of staff when you did yours. So, um, but um, it's just, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just, you know, I don't know. <laughs> It's, it was a big, I guess it was a lawsuit. I guess, I guess the Oregon Restaurant Association sued the state for an injunction saying that uh, there's no due process and there's no, um, oh, wow. you know, yeah, it's just like, there's, where's the scientific evidence that says that this is going to help when you're allowing churches still to meet, you know, it's like, why are you, why are you targeting 
and they, and they didn't close uh, the the small the small shops aren't closed this time either. The the non essential businesses are still open, but the mm. essential restaurants have been. <laughs> mm. And Multnomah County was closed for four weeks versus two weeks, like the rest of the state. So, you know, everybody's two weeks except for you, Multnomah County. You're four. It's like, oh, great. What are we going to do? I mean, we got wholesale, but that still doesn't float the boat. You know, no, you can eat no. all of it. No, no, no. And I'm not complaining about the goat. I do agree that we have a problem here with the cases. It's just, it's just I'm not sure what what really does solve the problem. That's the question. Is vaccine does, and there's some good news there. So, but it, that's yeah. not not that's a few months out, right? So, what about? Uh, Let's go forward a, a year after everybody's vaccinated, right? And, uh, <laughs> so even, like, the non, I, I, even the non-vaxxers who won't vaccinate, yeah. those like them. We'll, we'll, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll sneak those ones in. <laughs> but, oh, you're but, vaccinated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, let's let's think. Um, what sort of structural changes do you think the industry, the brewing industry, will see post-COVID? So you know, lots of people talk about. Uh, COVID being an accelerator, not necessarily a change agent in itself. It accelerates trends; it doesn't make a trend. So, what what sort of um, what sort of what will the new world look like after after this, whenever that may be? Oh, I mean, as a concept, I mean, I think you might see a lot of restaurants go away from this the table service model and just be counter service going forward, or not touchless service going forward. I mean, a lot of Guests have appreciated that um, safety. And I don't know, I'm, I'm sure people just when they get a vaccine, aren't going to be like, woohoo, I'm safe. You know, it's like, yeah. it's going to take a while to see numbers go down. But I see, I can see that the, a lot of places might go away from the full service model, which is, it wasn't what I was set up to do. I was always set up on the full service model, but we've gone away from it. We were on both accounts. Um, I think you'll see still a lot more to go and uh, just off-premise off sales, I think. I'm, I think the on-premise is going to take a while to come back. It'll come back with a vengeance in some places, but some places I think will struggle to get their business back, possibly. Uh, but also just a certain, you know, like we did a little poll of our, you know, will you come to our dining room when we reopen inside? 30% no, you know, 30% maybe, 30% I'll be there in a heartbeat, you know? So it's, you have, a, you have 30% of the population that just doesn't want to have anything to do with it on-premise dining experience, at least at this moment. And it may take them a while to come back. So I think the re- rebound is going to be longer. I think brew pubs might have a quicker rebound than some because it's a different destination. Uh, so part of me, some of those things you see, constant, you know, especially with the Campbell crap we're going through too, it's like a really consolidation of brands and how many brands you, can you really put out in a year? You know I mean? That's a big one. And make money at them because like once you start throwing labels on, I mean, we're, like right now, we're looking at cans coming out of China or Asia somewhere, South Korea or China. And until those tariffs go away, which I'm not sure Biden, you know, will take those down, but I hope he does because we're paying the tariffs. That, yes, you know, yes. <laughs> the Chinese aren't doing nothing. They're selling less, but we're still paying the tariffs. But yes, um, I think that um, that's a big issue. I mean, I'm sure you have an adventurous plan for next year, like just like we do. And it's like part of me is like, well, we should be able to take a year off and like just not do new products, but then <laughs> the real new, new products and we're boring and, and not unique and no one's not fun anymore. So we got yeah. to do new products and, or like, for instance, our, our case, our glasses is totally dead. And like, well, if we want our, we've already moved our Capella Porter into a 16 ounce can, you know, so we want to move our two sours over into a sour friendly can, of course, not what I yeah. went through a couple of years ago. Um, but, uh, you know, but we figured that, you know, we are, one month we'd sell like 33 cases of porter bottles. The next month we sold 233. 
in cans. It's like, oh, okay, good moves. You know, it's a big, yeah, <laughs> so big difference. Mover, yeah, porter, but people really do want cans, but obviously that that longer term trend this is an exa- example of an ex- accelerated trend right the move towards cans this year is just like fundamentally step changed the demand and the us doesn't have the capacity to fulfill that demand so then they just we just get cool saying oh sorry uh, we're not going to be able to make what you need <laughs> oh no the person i mean i've been buying through a broker my entire time i just chose that cash option to have someone else be hold my you know my bank, basically have a bank for that and yeah but this one company locally has been making our cans for three and a half years. Just said we're not making it anymore. That was it. Yeah, the, the, like there's no. I'm sorry. There's no. Heck, good luck. <laughs> it's just like we're done with you. And wow. you're like, oh, what is now? So now we're labeling silver cans, and you know, and oh wow, yeah, you know, yes. you know and I figured out like a ninety barrel run cost me two thousand more dollars. Just the can, just the cans with the labels. Yeah, people don't r- realize the extra expense. That's a lot. You know? Yeah. So for, for people who who obviously aren't, aren't in in it like we are, the can costs the same whether it's printed or not. So um, you don't get a discount because it's not printed. So the extra cost of the label is all extra cost, right? And um, well, actually, silver bright cans are a penny more than painted cans, oh. <laughs> which yeah. is absolutely like a knife to the heart. You know, this, you know. <laughs> double but whammy. No, but it's just that's the way it is. You know, it's like, oh, okay. Yeah, because you end up having to get them from brokers, right? So, like, what happens for us is you the bigger um, manufacturers they don't have the capacity, so you end up having to scrounge around for these shiners, and then we're actually paying on average three cents more a can for a shiner than a than a printed can, and then having to label it on top of that, which is five to twenty cents, depending on the batch size, right? So, right, yeah, no, it's no, it's totally, it's like you know, we were already used to labeling our seasonal cans for a long time, and eventually we found the ones that really moved. We bought trucks of them, but you know, but when your flagship Starburst goes to a label, it's like it really, you know, it really hurts. Hey, ball tennis cans just came in. We got them today, actually. So, I guess we have, might have ball making two trucks a month for us, which is you know enough to this time of year, but. We might have to augment with some labels or cans from China. Um, we'll figure it out. Our broker's being real receptive and helpful and trying to find a way. And I've talked with another, some other people on the other. There's yep. a new company, another company in Portland is starting to bring cans in from Asia also. That if you're looking for a contact, I can turn it on to you. But, okay. cool. um, so, I mean, at this point, you kind of have to diversify. You kind of have to like go, I can't buy exclusive to you because what happens if you already had the rug pulled out from a V1 time, what's going to keep from being pulled out again? So... <laughs> You know, going forward is, you know, cans and COVID are kind of lined up where we need our cans more than ever now because we got to put our beer in the package and to make that money stay around. And Yeah. And, and the draft beer to follow, I mean, you know, I don't know what percentage of draft beer you guys had, but, you know, we were had gone really skewed the cans for a couple of years because of our capacity constraints. But we were starting to go back to a good, you know, heading towards 30% draft again, or which we wanted to get back to. And this year might have actually happened. <laughs> Not, but. You know, because that's where we can really see the margin that makes sense for us. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna build some big sculptures out of kegs, I think, because we've got quite a lot of empty ones <laughs> lying around. <laughs> Where's the float? Big Christmas oh, tree. <laughs> you look at your balance sheet; it's like keg deposits received zero. <laughs> you <know? Yeah>. Ouch. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got well, you gave them all their money back. <laughs> so, what um, what beers um, do you think? Uh, 
are, are doing well in COVID and what maybe are, are not doing so well? Because we hear a lot of people talking about flagships and and you know the 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 beers that people know and 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 love from their past. But what what are you seeing? I mean, as far as old school beer goes, you're definitely in Oregon seeing in the, you see the IRI data, you definitely see a, a Ninkasi's on a huge bump this year. Uh, they're definitely have got a little bit of a rebound. Um, I'm sure a lot of that's in the cans, I would imagine. Um, yeah. You know, like, like I said, we, we built our flagship Starburst, but you know, our phaser is growing right behind it. It just, that's the one beer we limit the make, the make, you know, we don't have that in chains, so it's not like fully authorized. So we don't. We kind of try to control that one, though we are getting some more chain placements actually starting here soon this fall. Um, so that's our main two right now. Seasonals, you know, just depends on the season. Um, some seasonals sell better than others. Just depends. Our our new beer this summer, Sunray, Hazy, uh, Sunray Juicy IPA, I mean, just did really well. I mean, blew, just blew, <laughs> it was like, I couldn't believe we're actually we're selling three different IPAs at the same time, and they all were selling. It was like... Well, they don't taste all alike, so that's good. you could buy all three and have a different experience. So it's pretty cool that, that that went down, but we'll definitely bring that back again next year. But that's kind of a juggernaut, too, because, oh, now we have, you know, three production IPAs. You know, which tank gets which, or which one doesn't get a tank, you know what I mean? Like, because I don't have the ceilings that you... Like, you have some nice tall ceilings there where you can put that 200-barrel tank or whatever you got over there. <laughs> I would love to have. <laughs> we have one. Awesome. Just one. Just one. Yeah. <laughs> That's all we got. <laughs> I'm sure your Pilsner goes in there, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I imagine. It's, it's, yeah, you can't really dry hop it that easily. That There's a bit of a beast to get up there. <laughs> um, That's true. What... what um, and, and on a ending on a on a on a happy note, what do you what are you most looking forward to when some element element of normality returns? What do you, what's like one of the first things you're going to do? Probably go to a restaurant. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. I really haven't yet. Um, yeah, same here. I, my wife, my wife's, and you know, she's like, I'm not going anywhere, and I'm like, that's cool. So I, I mean, I really look forward to maybe going to a restaurant. Yeah, because <laughs> I really haven't been to any myself. I just, you know, I've been doing lots of takeout and supporting that way. But um, yeah, same. That or just uh, you know, honestly, though, what I look forward more to is if we could ever see a full bar again. Like, I go out on a Friday night, the bar's packed. Maybe not totally deep at the bar, but the, the bar is full. Two or three people at the well picking up a drink. People are talking. Um, yeah. That's what I really miss the most is to, to go out there on a busy night like that and just see people enjoying what you do and enjoying what your team does. I mean, that's the thing I miss the most. Um, that you can instantly, like, and if you like, I need some feedback, go to the bar, you know? And yeah. it's, it's Friday night and there's like just this one couple, you know, they, they, they came every Friday so from the day we opened. You know, and, and I haven't seen them since March, you know what I mean? And I didn't, I don't know if they came back during the summertime. I didn't see them when I was here, but I mean, you, you knew at four o'clock on a Friday, you know, Jen was going to, Jen, I'm spacing his name now. I'll remember in 20 seconds, it's like space. And, you know, they would be there. It's yeah. like, and if, and if you would go to the end of the bar, it's like, you'd look and they're not there. Then you'd look, oh, they're over here. I go, what are you doing over here? Your spot's over here. Well, it was taken. And I'm like, well, that's your spot. You yeah. know what I mean? He's like, reserve that spot for these people, you know, because they come every week. And that's why I miss. Uh, that's why I hope to see, do, or go to that bar I used to like to go to and see that bartender. And yeah. Yeah, if you're still being a bartender and say hi again, you know. So, <laughs> yeah, I know exactly what you mean about the bar because I can hear the noise now of people enjoying themselves, right? And that's what I want to hear again—that that sort of background noise of excitement and energy. And um, yeah, that that's been missing for quite a long time. On on 
I, I watched the Premier League on TV, right? And they put the uh, the artificial s- crowd noise on in the background because if they don't, <laughs> it's really weird, right? It's really weird. With, right. with It's weird conceptually to put it on, but it's really weird when it's not on because you hear all these players shouting at each other. It sounds like you're playing a Sunday league team with your friends. But um, you know, we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll get there. We'll get there. And, and we'll, we'll have earned that pint at the bar when we do. <laughs> So, I, I, I look forward to coming to your place. Are you, are you coming here or both? Light, light, yeah, likewise. Yeah. Both, yeah. We'll do this same day when it's road trip back in the same car. Yes, we should. Yeah. Just, just because we can. <laughs> just because we can. <laughs> well, thanks for your time today. Sure, Adam. See, you, see you soon. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. So I think that was a great conversations with all, all three people. It's um, interesting to me. Let's look at the similarities and, and the differences between each person, right? So John Dantzler said something interesting to me that beer had sort of been elevated to become the occasion and rather than to being, you know, part of the occasion. So over the last 10 years, he talked about it, uh, beer becoming the occasion. And he thinks that maybe the pandemic will get us back to the historical role of beer, that beer has played in the past to being supporting occasions rather than being the focus of, of them. And it was... Um, great to hear him talking about um the future and wanting new york city to come back really to what it was recreate that vibrancy in in the city um he's excited to actually have an opening celebration as such um and um also have have a honeymoon so like you know i don't think there are many people that have opened a business and uh, got married in the middle of a pandemic but uh, john didn't uh (laughs) didn't um wait for anything he he um it didn't let the pandemic get in the way, but it, it did get in the way of some of these celebrations. So he's excited to have that in the future. I actually, you know, when I was talking with uh, John Harris, I kind of can hear the noise of vibrancy right in the tap room. That the noise, that feeling of working in the back of the brewery, but hearing the excitement and the energy in in, in the tap room. That's something that I miss. That is, um, it will be exciting to get back when it when it's safe to do so. JC. It was uh, good to hear him say uh, say that e-commerce is here to stay. Now, I, I think I can I can agree with that. Um, he said it's here to stay, but it's softened. Um, yeah, the, this wave of closures, the reaction to it is is fundamentally different to the prior one. So, uh, definitely not seeing the same pantry loading impact that we did before, despite the fact that at home when I'm shopping on on uh, Amazon Prime, uh, toilet paper immediately ran out and every other sort of basic staple did. But uh, I think people maybe have stocked up on beer <laughs> and, and enough in the past. But uh, yeah, we're, we're not seeing that that's sort of big, big push for, for to-go beer like we did back in March, April. Interesting to me because e-commerce and beer, I think beer just isn't suited in the long term to shipping. You know, it's heavy, it's bulky, uh, needs to be ideally in a cold chain, so it's a fragile thing to ship. We, um, and obviously there's a lot of licensing requirements around beer, so it's not just as easy to say, right, we're going to ship it wherever anybody uh, wants to order it. Um, You have to get licensed in certain states, and certain states don't allow you to ship beer into those states. Uh, So it's not logistically, it's a difficult thing. Legally, it's a difficult thing, and because of those pieces, I think the pricing sort of prices you out. So I think that combined with the local movement, uh, just generally in every sort of category, including beer, right, um, 
I'm not so sure that shipping is something that will be a big thing in the future for beer. Um, wine, people will argue against me by saying, well, wine is um, is doing very well in a shipping uh, context. Yeah, but my response to that is that, yeah, wine bottles are a lot more expensive per unit and can hold and handle a higher shipping price. And also wine actually has a lot more regulatory flexibility around it. It's a lot easier to ship uh, wine from a legal perspective into the various um, various states rather than beer. Um, the wine legislation is a lot more flexible than beer for historical reasons i understand that being the case i think online store online to go ordering for brewery pickup is definitely something that's here to stay i think that will be around forever Uh, why not release um, in-demand beers online um, rather than creating lines <laughs> maybe online is a new line right so um so i don't see uh, um any you know change in any the near future of, of going back to the line culture that was relatively prevalent and and that actually sticks and aligns very well with what uh, john dantzler was saying about the occasion of beer beer being the occasion might not necessarily be the case in the future so one of those aspects is, I think, the line culture. Going back to what JC was talking about, your kettle sours doing well. Um, that was interesting because we we saw um, kettle sours being popular probably two years ago, three years ago, and they've softened off relatively well. Um, but he's he's doing doing well with them, and so we need to. Uh, I probably will look at doing 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 some more and inv- investigating ideas of how how to do that. And also, it was interesting. It was nice to hear him say, "What is he looking for?" like at the end of this, uh, pretty much a metaphorical end because it's a dial, right? It's not a switch. So when we get a vaccine, it's going to be a slow return to normal. But when normality returns, in quotation marks, um, he's looking forward to giving people essentially their livelihoods back in in his hospitality part of his his business, um, giving people their shifts back and, and helping the hospitality team get back to their livelihoods chatting with john you know he's got a similar uh, restaurant aspect um in fact all all three breweries have a restaurant aspect we're, we're rubens is the odd one out in that we don't have a, a food aspect to this um but he he it was interesting to me that the first thing he thought about in the future is is that he doesn't see necessarily that full service restaurants are going to be likely to grow they're going to be re- more replaced with counter service um restaurants which makes sense um he also referred to 30% of the population of, of, are inhibited right now of, to go out. Um, so um, it's not necessarily going to be a big bump back anytime soon. It's going to take definitely time for restaurant uh, traffic to go to come back. And he talked about being excited to go back actually to go to restaurants afterwards. And after the metaphorical end of COVID, you know, in, in whenever that may be. Um, it, that's, that's interesting because Grace and I have, eaten out a lot more when COVID, but we haven't eaten in anywhere since COVID really struck. So I, I, I think I'm consistent in that, that group and consistent with John that we'll, we've been supporting our favorite restaurants through getting to go, but not, not actually, you know, going in, in person to places yet. We talked about obviously cans being a very significant issue and aluminum is an issue in the industry. And that's been talked about in the press a lot, but we have seen that and it's we've seen that 
at Rubens, we saw that back in May even. So it's been an issue now for well over six months. Um, and it's normally an issue towards the end of the summer uh, when capacity in the canning facilities is is at a max. Um, but you know, this year is obviously worse. You've got a, an acceleration. COVID has accelerated the trend towards cans from a customer demand viewpoint um, as well as and obviously the breweries have followed that so we've got a structural sort of shift towards cans as a package um, away from bottles which is a long-term trend that COVID has accelerated but also away from draft um, so beers that people were going to put in in uh, keg are now being put in in can for obvious reasons right your on-premises is really struggling um, and uh, really off-premise and to-go beer is is really where breweries have had to, uh, I don't like saying the word, but pivot to, right? The pivot's become a cliche, but um, move move towards, you know? You know? So I don't think the can piece is going to move anytime soon. I think you could argue that there's been a structural shift um, or an acceleration in the shift towards drinking beer more at home. Um, so in Europe, more beer is consumed at home than on-premise than in the United States. And that was a trend over time that um, beer consumption was moving to the off-premise channel, i.e. grocery, um, that was seen in the US before COVID hit. And that has accelerated during COVID. So um, it'll be interesting to see where things land afterwards, um, whether this was an acceleration or or of a long-term trend as being um, more beer consumed off-premise versus on-premise. And that does hit small breweries because um, canning, obviously canning a beer is a lot more expensive to actually put it in the package and then per ounce you get less dollars um, from it. So it does create a structural shift in your cost structure as well, which is kind of interesting and we need to take into account if that is a long-term shift or if it will come back in time a lot of this stuff is about how good is your crystal ball right um but that's that's another topic for another day it was a good chatting with john about like what he misses is just having a beer at the bar seeing people enjoying beers at the bar um him having a drink at the bar as well i've seen people really enjoy his beers that's that's something that probably um most brewers think about actually because the beauty of a tap room is this immediate feedback you've created something people are coming in enjoying it you can hear the vibrancy in the air you know in terms of just the noise of the excitement and people enjoying your beer and people maybe coming up to you and having a chat with you and asking you about certain certain beers how you created certain things and that feedback is obviously not quite so strong anymore and a lot of a lot of that the reason that I think brewers brew is because you can put a smile on people's faces, right? You can bring some enjoyment to their lives. Why Why did Grace and I open our brewery at the start? Well, I enjoyed brewing. I liked creating things and we enjoyed sharing the beers as well. We enjoyed creating delight in people's lives, right? Just a little bit, right? A little bit that we could um, bring to people, but that was kind of big part of it for us and um we're still doing that but we're not seeing that necessarily that feedback loop as much as in the past but you know we'll we'll get through this we've got to do the right things in the short term for the long-term health of people and um oh it's a interesting interesting journey we're on that's for sure one that we didn't see coming as we 
uh, entered the year, that's for sure. This was the Ruben Cyclast podcast. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to reach out to me at adam at rubensbrews.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform, such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. Please give us a five-star rating on your platform of choice if you think we've earned it. This will help others get to know about the Ruben Cyclast podcast as well. I want to say a big thank you to Eric Johnson and Quiet Curdy Studios for the music to this show and its production. And so until next time, cheers.